Hi, this is Stephen Williams from Supernatural and a whole bunch of other stuff, and you're watching Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Tune in. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you get me so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess, and we will give you witchcraft. Could overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Bye bye Saturday night. Good evening, everybody. It's uh, been an interesting week. What can I tell you? <laughs> Deep in Area 51 on sub-level 16, Frogert Bar and Reanimation Hut. I'm the man with the ringing in his ears from too much sleep or not enough, whichever the case may be. I'm the Dome. This is TalkCast 254. 250, oh my God. Joining us tonight, the usual suspects from the Revere Time Vortex, our violent soundboard vixen, Vice Princess of Rhetoric. If she doesn't have an opinion, wait five, she will. It's our own girl genius, Kriana. Wait, five what? Parsecs. Can I? <laughs> that seems that's a measure of distance, not time. I know. Okay, because if I had to set it myself, never mind. Good. From the stacks of her personal calm space in the dank dungeons, only indoor zen and vegetable garden, which doubles as the robot reading room, she's quiet because she may have forgotten once again to unmute herself. It's Zombrarian. What's up, Kriana? Kriana just came out of her. We're we're having wonderful a wonderful technical evening. Kriana just came busting in here to fix her contacts. <laughs> oh, good lord! From a galaxy far, far away, the women in chain mail. She drinks synth ale and joins holodeck programs of her own design. Welcome back once more, Sir Sarah Lady Knight. And I also talk a lot about Haley Atwell. You forgot to mention yeah. that one. Yeah, I yeah. know, but you're yeah. going to do it anyway, so yep. we'll, people <laughs> will know that quite soon. Very and, soon. And you you got your first taste this weekend of a con with the convicts of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. <laughs> since, yeah. Since you're getting the blow-by-blow blow anyway... I would like you to know that I have removed the shiny coating from my eyes and have affixed an apparatus of metal and plastic to my face. Oh, good. What a great idea. <clears throat> Technology. And, and I'm bleeding, so we're even. <laughs> what, Go get why? a band-aid! <laughs> no, no, I'm just going to bleed over Area 51. What the hell? Good. So, Sarah, tell us, tell us about your first experience as a staff member of Sci-Fi Saturday Night at a convention. Did you have fun? Well, yes. So the pros are I didn't get locked out. <laughs> I met Nichelle Nichols. I met John Reese Davies and he made fun of me, which was yes, the most did. amazing thing ever. It was great. Um, and I got to hang out with you guys, which was um, surprisingly a lot of fun. Wait, well, no, 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 not, not surprised. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think she was implying something else. What? 
Oh. I, since I have um, to say it at least once while we're recording, more fun than a bag of dicks. Now I'm done. <laughs> now I'm done. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, as for the cons of the con, um, I, I got rained on inside. Me too. Right. I, was, I yep. was there too, Twice. and I also Twice. got wetted yep. while on the interior of a building. Yep. Wetted. Wetted. Good. <laughs> I was wetted. Um, <laughs> and um, William Shatner got locked out of the con as a very own Me and um, William Shatner hung out for like four hours. Four hours. You, you're hours. bros with the Shat now. Yeah. I say with a completely straight face. <laughs> you are. Um, and I'm sure there were other things, but those are kind of the... the oh, and there were... Um, about 3,000 more people in there than there should have been. So um, walking around was really fun. It, it wasn't was, so much walking as swimming. It, it <laughs> yeah. was, it, there were points at which it was like salmon spawning upstream, just trying yeah. to get anywhere. Although well, yeah. there were less, you know, bodily fluids than that. So. Thank Luckily. So Luckily. But at least from what I could tell. <laughs> I don't know what your all personal experiences were. We're, we're clear now that we know what yours were. <laughs> well, no bodily fluids. Yes, I appreciate yeah. that. Our guest tonight from uh, the world of publishing and, and interesting stuff, uh, a gentleman that we met at GraniteCon, uh, Chris cool. Philbook. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. He was also present at Rhode Island, which oh, is boy. funny because I didn't see you, but I was maybe preoccupied with other stuff that was going on. I was going to say there was like a- thirty thousand people. <laughs> that may have contributed, yeah, maybe a little. It may have contributed, indeed. He is the author of Adrian's Undead Diary, as well as a whole ton of other stuff, and we're going to be talking to him in the third half of the show. But first, the news. Wow, we're getting to the point. Can I talk about Haley Atwell yet? (laughs) (laughs) You thought you were going to get me on that one, Dome, and you did not. No, no, I I gave you enough of a lead, for God's sake. Well, okay, here's my question. I'm looking at this news article. Which one? Um, It's not one that's on the thing, but I I really need to know, what the hell is Ant-Man? Um, Wait, I'm going to delete this for sure, Sarah. Sarah? Well, okay, so really the only thing I care about in Ant-Man is that Haley Atwell, who, by the way, plays Peggy Carter from um, (laughs) Captain America and stuff, um, is probably going to be in it. Other than that... As Peggy Carter? um, As Peggy Carter, yes. Yes, Um, Because it would be really weird if she were someone else. Yeah, no. So um, there was a post looking for a body double for her, um, and it's... Hopefully she's going to be in it, but other than that, I don't know. Ant Man is about like some guy who I guess does science and then turns into a tiny man. I don't. And this is a superpower because I don't know. I like actually. Yeah, I guess he does. Yes, actually. Really? Also, there's more ants. Like there are more ants by weight than humans on the planet, which is actually cooler (laughs) than the Ant Man movie. Okay, wait a minute. Because i got to look this up on Wikipedia. This cannot be the truth. Ants are terrifying. Malcolm! And they outnumber us. Sorry, I'm going to go beat my cat. Hang on. Oh, no. He got into the office. 
Oh God. Um, so yeah, Ant Man. Um, I think is happening. I keep forgetting about it, but it it is actually the next Marvel movie coming out. Why? I no, I, I thought know. that Age of Ultron was next. Yeah, I think no, H- no. Yes, no. You're right. Yep. Um, Age of Ultron is. Yes, because Ant-Man is filming now, you're correct. See, I, <gasps> this is how little I pay attention to Ant-Man. Wait, there's more than one Ant-Man! Someone saw that guy and was like, I want to be him! What do you mean there's more than one Ant-Man? Apparently, after this guy, uh, Hank... Hank what's, what, what's with them? Superheroes being named Hank. Hmm. Well, yeah, there's... Well, it's better than Henry, I guess. I guess. <clears throat> the, he had two successors... Scott Lang and Eric O'Grady. Who looks at this guy and is like, yeah, that's what I want to do when I grow up. Uh, I don't, I don't know. He decided to become a superhero. Okay. Thrilling. Um, Evangeline Lilly's going to be in this movie, though, so maybe it'll be interesting. So he's not really a superhero. He's just kind of extra smart. He's extra smart, and he, he found a way to shrink his body. I really want to like figure this out. He, so he discovered a chemical substance or physical substance. It's unclear from this Wikipedia article that would allow him to alter his size. And he has a helmet that can control ants. So what right. I want to know is, did he use a microscope to build this helmet or somehow... maybe he built it when he was tiny? Maybe. That's that's a good theory. Or yeah. maybe he found a way he to not... shrink it along with him. Yeah, so that was my next thing. Are, do, does this substance shrink physical and biologicals, and how the hell would that work? But then I realized it was created by Stan Lee, so it doesn't have to make sense. Right, because Stan Lee can <laughs> literally change the laws of physics. Kriana's feeling that her science bros are being threatened. They... They can't be threatened by this moron. Um, yeah, no. Okay, he has also had other aliases, including Giant Man, so he can get bigger and smaller? There was a point at which he could, yes. Goliath and Yellow Jacket and the Wasp. For some, yeah, could, Does he could, also fly and actually, or sting? He had a girlfriend who I thought was the Wasp. Yeah, the Wasp is not him. The Wasp is a female. Oh, it says, it yeah. says that... He was the wasp after she died, but, or uh, she presumedly died. But you're you're basing it on the facts you found in Wikipedia, which is usually more accurate than the Encyclopedia Britannica. So, well, you know. All right, I want Sir Sarah to continue telling us how much. She yeah, loves talk talk about the actual right, part right. of this movie. So, do you think do you think they're just using Ant Man as an excuse to get Peggy Carter a movie? Unfortunately, I don't think so. Um, I think she's just going to be a small cameo in it, um, which is really upsetting. Uh, I think it really is going to be the Ant-Man movie, but she being possibly in it is the only thing that excites me about the Ant-Man movie. Zombrarian. No, the only thing I hate more than clowns is No, can we not go to see this movie? We cannot go to see this movie. Okay, awesome. I say best. that I say that like I actually went to see any of the other movies. Yeah, I was gonna say that just didn't happen. <laughs> no, I think I saw the last one I saw in theaters was Iron Man three. Yeah, yeah, and that was because we had free pass press that's passes. True. It's, it was worth it. It was worth free. Yeah. That's for damn sure. All right, yeah. I want to hear more about Haley Atwell. Tell me more. Yeah, All right. let's, let's well, talk about Haley Atwell. Atwell is um, I'm gonna end with my favorite thing. So my my next thing is that she's coming back to Agents of Shields, which is um, cool. 
which is great because I always love her being on Agents of Shield. Um, she's going to be in the um, November 18th episode called The Things We Bury. Um, so we're going to have another glimpse into um, what she's been doing before her show, which the trailer for the Agent Carter show that they aired um, at New York Comic Con that I got to see uh, just went online yesterday, um, uh, Tuesday, maybe Monday. I don't know. So one of at some point this week it went um, earlier up this online. week. Uh, earlier this week, um, and it's amazing. And I just watch it over and over again and cry about how much I love her. Um, and I feel like there was a point for this. Oh yes, it, um, so that so the Agent Carter miniseries is going to be in January, and it's going to go I think until March. Um, so. What That's are they going to do? It's like a six, six episodes, eight episodes? Um, I'm not sure how many episodes, um, but it's going to be... So Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to go on winter break, and in January, Agents of Carter is... Uh, so, ooh, Agent, Agents Agent of Carter. Carter. I Agents like of that. Carter, yeah. <laughs> Agent Carter is going to fill the slot where Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. usually plays, and then when that ends, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will start back up. So we won't be stuck with sucky reruns out of out of order again, which Correct. would be great. Yes. yes. So we're going to get new things in the mid-season break. Very cool. Which is awesome. But and what now is the my, really cool yes. thing you wanted to talk about? The really cool thing is that Haley Atwell um, accidentally keeps beating up everyone on set. <laughs> um, her Twitter, which you should all follow her at, um, at Haley Atwell is just a gem of her accidentally kicking stuntmen in the balls and punching actors in the face. So I'll read you. Um, there are, are only a few, so I'll, I'll, I'll do a dramatic reading. <clears throat> a dramatic reading? Dramatic My reading. My Sir Sarah. <clears throat> Dear stuntman and actor, sorry I kicked you both in the balls during rehearsals today. <laughs> Dear Mr. Actor, kind of letter. <laughs> Dear Mr. Actor, I sincerely apologize. Uh, mm, wow, okay, Sarah, learn how to talk. I sincerely apologize again for this time punching you in the face this afternoon. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Actor, for pushing you onto the floor on your first day. I thought you were the stunt man. Oops. Shattered a light bulb and snapped my prop in half today. Sorry, crew. Seems are looking incredible, though. Accidentally headbutted myself, yanking a stuntman from behind. Bruised cheekbone. After the injuries I have inflict I have myself inflicted, I deserve this. Another night shoot, new stuntman, will endeavor to be professional and not actually hurt him. Eek. And the final tweet. <clears throat> Just punched the clapper board. <laughs> <laughs> she she sounds incredibly badass or just clumsy as all hell. I think Either both. Way. Both is good. Um, but <laughs> oh my yeah, gosh, so... I want that superhero. I want the huh? superhero whose superpower is being super duper clumsy at the exact right moment. Yes, that'd be great. Like That's... everything they do. I think that was on Alphas. Everything they do sets off like this Rube Goldberg effect. That and... was definitely on Alphas. Or Misfits, one or the other. It's definitely Alphas. Because we haven't watched Misfits. No, not not that somebody was clumsy. Well, he wasn't necessarily clumsy, but he was. He did these like Rube Goldbergian esque yeah. things where he'd flick a penny and it would, you know, hit someone's windshield and they'd slam on their brakes and then a, a bike would go by and they would, I don't know, hit a child. Yeah, <laughs> I, I want to be someone clumsy. 
Okay, so like that, but clumsy. Yeah. Okay. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I would like that. That would be funny. I I vote Haley Atwell for that. Since <laughs> <laughs> she already seems to have got it down. Yeah, I was, was going to say, say it's not going to be too far of a stretch. Yeah, right. So, Zombrarian. Yeah. The uh, news article you bring to us this week is about a Netflix series that's already been a movie. Yes. Uh, Netflix is actually co-producing this series with uh, Paramount, who uh, own the movie. So I'm guessing there's going to be some continuity there, perhaps. Um, and the film is? The f- well, I'm getting there. Okay. I'm, I'm God, don't be patient. I'm, I'm doing a slow reveal. Gotcha. So I am, however, a little nervous because this is one of those films where it was pretty good. But it could have been better. Um, so I'm hoping that Netflix does well. And I think they will because they tend to do well with their original series. They have optioned Lemony Snicket's book series, A Series of Unfortunate Events. And it's going to be a Netflix original series. And I am super excited. They're still searching for a director, so there's no casting information yet. So but. my quest, my question is, the movie wasn't all that great. No, it wasn't. But I think that was mostly Jim Carrey's fault. <laughs> well, you the know how I feel about Jim Carrey. We're blaming it on one actor instead of a weak script. No, I'm not blaming a weak script. I think that um, because here's the thing. Think about the parts of the movie that Jim Carrey was not in. Right. They were pretty darn good. Were they? Yes, they were. They were funny. They were very close to the books. And then they let him ad-lib a lot of his um, a lot of his bits. And he did not come across as appropriately sinister or terrifying. Like He came across was... as a sexual predator. Yeah, but not like scare like it was weird. It was very weird and, and... As much as I'm not a Jim Carrey fan, and uh, some people are, some people aren't. and Most people aren't, I feel like. That's not true. I mean, you know, if you've ever seen uh, the, the movie he did about Andy Kaufman, The Man in the Moon, it's an, uh, it's an incredible film. Definitely does not come off like a sexual predator. Definitely does not. He comes off as an amazing talent. No, not in that film. But the reality is, you know, any anybody, any actor with a good script and, and a, a strong director will put in a, a good performance. And I don't really? think. But what I'm saying is they relied on Jim Carrey to ad lib most of that character. And right. that was the mistake. But I don't think the rest of it worked all that well either. And that's kind of what I'm saying. I well, in my opinion, it didn't work where it went off of the book, like where it veered away from the book was where it was bad, and a lot of that was in Jim Carrey's character. Yeah. Okay, so we're hoping that this has a better, better run on it than uh, the movie did. But we're not hoping that hard because it probably won't. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Siffy news this week. We have a little bit of Siffy news. Uh, and it really bothers me 
that lately I'm seeing on anybody talking about SIFI saying, uh, and I'm, I'm going to quote the first line of this article, SIFI has made no secret of its current shift away from softer, young, family-friendly sci-fi productions and into or returning to more serious miniseries and series development. Oh, science fiction is so serious. We can't have fun. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a spanky and our gang thing happening right here, kids. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know what's going on, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's really gotten silly to the point where every single press release is saying we're taking back sci-fi where it belongs. It was never there for the most part, guys. Oh, I do. We have a bigger <laughs> penis than you. <laughs> So the latest announcement from SIFI this week is that Arthur C. Clarke's 3001 The Final Odyssey was just optioned by them uh, to be turned into a miniseries. Uh, and I am frightened. Yeah. This really scares me uh, because SIFI. It's as simple as that. Ridley Scott is the executive producer, and he is not known for being a strong uh, uh, guiding force. He's done some amazing work. But give Sifi credit where credit is due. I know Kriana doesn't, but a lot of people really love the Battlestar Galactica miniseries. Like, that wasn't a miniseries. That was that was an actual. Series. It, well, it was a miniseries, and then they to begin. It yeah. started as a miniseries. Yeah, and, and we did not it. get through the first episode of the miniseries. So. We loved um, what's it called? The room? Yeah. No, Caprica. I think is what you're talking. No, I'm talking about the room. Okay, I the don't one know what that has to do with room. Battlestar Galactica. I'm saying that Sissy does well with miniseries. Catch up. They can. Did they do they, that series? I think they did. I think they did, yeah. And they've done well with their series series. Their original series have all been good. I think so, The Room was canceled before it was over. No, The Room was a miniseries. Do you mean The Lost, the lost Room? The lost room? Is that yes, what you're talking that about? one. Hmm. I don't think I ever It didn't end well. I remember it ending and being extremely unsatisfied. Just like my ex-boyfriend. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. That was nah. way too easy. Um, hmm. I believe they also did the uh, the miniseries of uh, Filippo de Farmer's To Your Scattered Bodies Go, which I just didn't like at all. So it, you know... Kudos for taking the chance. Um, kudos for finally realizing that you've lost your vision and they're trying to get it back. But the the answer but, is not to switch away from the original programming that you've been doing and do different original programming. It's doing not WWE Raw. You know, I, interestingly, I was talking to uh, Eddie McClintock of Warehouse 13 this past weekend. Oh my God, where would we have seen him? Hmm, Rhode Island Comic Con, I believe. I see. And uh, I wish I'd been there to also meet maybe someone like Saul Rubinek if he had been there. 
And he was, oddly oh. enough, and I couldn't get near him. Shut the he front door. Sorry. <laughs> and so the one thing that I, that I, we talked about was how unsatisfying it was to end Warehouse 13 the way they did. And he just looked at me with those, those puppy dog eyes that he puts on. And he went, I know. <laughs> I was there. Is it bad that when I looked at him, all I could see was that scene in Warehouse 13 where he's going, Tetons. <laughs> That's all I can think of going through my head. As mm-hmm. he said, some of the most amazing and feminist yeah, things totally. that you've heard come out of an actor. He's a great guy. Comes- all I'm hearing is Tetons. <laughs> so, so don't, let's talk some more about our weekend let's, while let's we're there. Let's go for Tetons. No? What would you like to talk about, darling? Well, you're the one who put it on the list. I was just providing the segue. And a lovely segue it was. Well, I don't know. You know, I mean, there it, it was an interesting weekend. Uh, we met a lot of old friends. We met a lot of new friends. Um, we got to speak to some really, really interesting people. It was a bumpy ride. There's no question about it. And it was a bumpy evening and a bumpy weekend. And there's no denying that. But it was also one of the most amazing draws of people I've seen in an awfully long time. I got to interview a puppet. You did? Actually, you- no, sorry. That's that's not correct. It's Fabricated American. <laughs> if you watch the interview, you'll hear me say it a bunch of times. And it's because... The fabricated American corrected me before the interview. <laughs> it was fun. It I was mean, fun. Then we, I got locked out for four hours, but and that wasn't quite as much fun. Not but as yeah. much fun. So that was the high point for you talking to a fabricated American. Yeah. Okay. Grandma, Don't tell me that you weren't jealous that I got to interview. Gorgo the Gargoyle. Honestly, you're absolutely right. I was jealous as hell because it looked like so much fun. It was so much fun. He was very tall. And it was making fun of the people standing in lines to see other celebrities, too, which yes, was even was. Tetons. <laughs> so, Kriana, what was your favorite part? It's definitely the Tetons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, our hotel bed was also up there. It was the most comfortable bed I've ever slept on. We're not advertising for the hotel right now, though. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, what was your... Uh, how, how about we use this as a segue to talk sure. about what your part, your favorite part was? Awesome. Well, um, yeah, as I, I, think I, I think I mentioned this earlier, but I got to interview Nichelle Nichols, a.k.a. the original Uhura on Star Trek, the original series, a.k.a. actual goddess. Um, so classy. <laughs> Like, very eloquent. Way more eloquent than I am. The opposite and... of any of us, basically. Except for Zombrian, <laughs> right? because she's always the best. I interviewed a puppet. <laughs> <laughs> How so eloquent. <laughs> um, yeah, I was. that was pretty wonderful. And uh, I actually forget pretty much everything I said to her. Um, it, it didn't matter, really. So, you did a good job. Thank you. That's that's why important. Yeah. Um, I say that without having watched the video. I just know you did a good job. (laughs) No, but you're going to sit and listen to it right now because we've we've edited up a segment of it. 
Nice. So, so everyone can judge you. Mm-hmm. Great. That's good. I love hearing the sound of my own voice. <laughs> Don't you? It's not creepy. Or not do at all. you? Oh. I mean, I'm on a podcast, so I like. I guess I kind of have to in a way. No, you don't. But fun fact, none of us listen to the podcast after exactly. we record it. Which, which is why I get these yep. lovely emails from Cam that are saying, this one doesn't work. Yeah. So, no. there's that. Anyway, so, on with the yeah. interview. Everyone mute yourselves. Let's take a listen to our own Sarah with Nichelle Nichols. Sir Sarah Lady Knight. God. Hi, I'm Sarah with Sci-Fi Saturday Night, and I'm here talking to Nichelle Nichols. How are you today? I'm doing really good. How are all of you? Cool. Are you enjoying the con so far? Uh, so far, so good. And uh, this being Sunday, I guess uh, there would be a greater crowd, but it, uh, but it waits till after church, and I admire them for that. That's pretty great. So are you, you know, having a, it's, 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 yesterday was pretty crazy, wasn't it? Did you? Yes, it was pretty crazy uh, and filled with wonderful people. You ought to turn and see that parade. There's a crazy parade going on. Have you ever seen anything that's so in, incredibly insane and magnificent? Yeah, that's pretty great. Cool. So um, a lot of Star Trek fans coming up? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. They're, we start out with, small, with Star Trek fans, and then they graduate to others, and then the, you, the ones that start out with their fans suddenly discover they're a Star Trek fan, too. Yeah, so there are a lot of Star Trek people here at this con. What's it like seeing everyone? Yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, here at this con. Well, this is one of the, the best cons that goes on. And uh, they bring us in from from all over the world, you know. And people come from all over the world to be here. And so it's it's, uh, it's sort of an international marvelous uh, party for everybody. And, and uh, I've been enjoying it. And they've been... Uh, I think enjoying my craziness as well. That's really wonderful. And um, you've been a huge inspiration to many young women, especially young black women. And can you talk a little bit about about that? Uh, what part? Um, just being, you know, the first black women on a sci-fi show that's not, you know, a, a maid or you know something yeah. like that, as in a position of power. Absolutely. And it has affected. Uh, of, of, the fact that we're the first uh, of of people not being black people or white people or trying to sit in, fit in, get in the best way you can, it's quite different. Uh, uh, people are that come up to us are now. Uh, accustoming themselves to be themselves, you know, and not follow the crowd, you know, and we're part of that because we've, we've represented on television, you know, and Star Trek was one of the, was the first, and, and it was the first integrated uh, show on television, and it affected all of television, you know. And, and, and it was an outer space, people from outer space, are uh, going into uh, outer space was uh, was uh, 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 uh,
everybody was doing it. You know, well, if everybody do, does it, I think I'll do it too. And, and I think I'll accept it. You know, it sounds good to me. And I think that's how you sell something, whether it's good or bad. But to sell something good about yourself is uh, about yourself as well as myself. And the goodness of mankind, humankind, womankind, childrenkind, they see themselves and they they uh, they don't they won't uh, they don't they demand no less and you grow up that way and this is the way my parents uh, um, expected from me and I remember as a little kid discovering my talents and um, putting I'm a, I'm a singer dancer a writer um, uh, ballerina and jazz, you know, whatever I wanted to do, I was taught you can be, you can do, you can be anything you want to be. Just put your your money where your mouth is, your energy where you say you want. Don't just say it, do it. That was beautifully said. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. You're very welcome. Well, we've lost the dome. <laughs> dome was Good. so moved by that that he just <laughs> flailed and hung up. Let's. I'm. I was gonna say he's stunned into silence. Yeah. It's oh, almost. The I am too. <laughs> yeah, I, I. I. I couldn't say anything else after that. I was just like, I. I'm just gonna go. What is there to say? Into goo. Yeah, there's, I'm there's just gonna melt into goo now. That's that's done. You're done. And during that whole thing, you have to understand, there is this huge procession of aliens with musical instruments kind of uh, doing a Chinese dragon dance through the entire crowd. Seems appropriate. Yeah, yeah totally. Not no, distracting like at all. Do. No, it wasn't distracting in the least. You know, it's, it's amazing the elegance of this woman. Yeah. It's just... It's 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 inspiring to to just be in her presence and you you'll see on the video <clears throat> there's just a smile and a, and a peacefulness of her that's and Sarah you were there two feet away from her were you there yeah. Sarah you were absolutely no. there oh did you do I, that by Skype too no yes yes I did yeah. Um, it was, Sarah was actually a hologram. Little does anyone know. I'm always a hologram. Did you guys not know that? Well, there you're is very no mind blown. Amazing. Um, no, it was it was amazing to be in her presence, and it was very overwhelming because she she does have this very like calm, but it's it's a strong presence. I don't I don't know how to describe it. It was just amazing and i came out of the interview and i was just like i'm shaking i'm shaking and you know it's not because she's not, not necessarily because she's so famous because she's this amazing celebrity but because of the way she talked and the way she um you know presented herself and it was amazing i felt that way before but i think it was the heroine 
<laughs> I felt that way before because when I met Ben Vereen. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's these people who are not just wonderful entertainers and performers, but they're also just wonderful people. And you just kind of, you understand the people who say, I just want to sit at your feet and learn because that's how you feel meeting these people. You're like, can you just teach me to be as awesome as you? I don't need to be famous actor. I just want to have half of your poise and like Caroline. wisdom <laughs> about the world. Sorry, sorry. Got distracted there. Yeah, no kidding. Um, and it's like, you know, meeting her was so different from meeting John Rhys Davies, who I also grew up on. Um, you know, who made fun of Indiana me. Jones, who was hilarious and made fun of me, but it was a different and it was great. I loved every second of it. But it was a very different interaction and a very different like I don't know. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, shiny. Very different. Michelle Nichols is amazing. Yep. What else needs to be said? Exactly. Yeah, and, Thank you. And, and if that was the only interview that we got, that would have been great. We got to talk to a bunch of other really cool people. And, and over puppets. the next couple of weeks, and puppets and, and fabricated Americans. Fabricated Americans. God. Who just happen to like tartar sauce and it has nothing to do with their status None as fabricated Americans. None but they do like tartar sauce. That's a stereotype. And stereotypes are hurtful. But in this case, it's really true. <laughs> but I can't be, I can't, I'm not anti-puppetist. I have a puppet best friend. Yes, you do. So I can't be, basically. <sighs> It's so nice that Captain America can't be racist. Uh, hmm. Does he have a puppet best friend, too? Not as far as we know. (laughs) Which brings us to the third part of the show. Somebody's been sitting here very patiently going, my God, what are they talking about? What did I get myself into? Exactly. Chris, welcome to the show. (laughs) Hey, I'm sorry. (laughs) <laughs> how are you doing my friend i'm good i'm good i'm uh, recuperating from the same show uh rhode island so it's good it to was, uh, have a few hours to put my feet up yeah it was uh quite a show wasn't it <laughs> size of it is already you know known but uh it was actually a spectacle it was really interesting that's a very good way to put it a spectacle yeah that pretty much says it all right there so when when we met you at uh, Granite Con, you had your 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 booth of books up there, and we started talking about the series uh, Adrian's Undead Diary. Yeah, and that is that your your current series at this point, isn't it? Well, it, it's well, no, um, it's it's currently wrapped. The eighth book uh, came out right around Halloween time. Um, and uh, it's you know, shelf for the moment. The eighth book will sit, and people will read it. And I'm currently working on uh, what'll be sort of like a, like a series um, that's going to take place in the wake of eighth book. The right I'm actually working on. So, explain to our listeners who don't know what the series is about. And I will admit that I am about halfway through book one right now, mm-hmm. which is Dark Recollections. Yep. And uh, 
It's a really interesting book. Explain to them the basis of the series. Uh, I wanted to do something a little bit different uh, when I when I was writing about the the you know the apocalypse. I think one of the things that has been beaten to death uh, in the genre is like the gun porn uh, and the gore porn. You know, the the movie series is just to or shoot or, you know, to, to shoot, uh, you know, terrible dismemberment and eating scenes. I wanted to focus more on the psychological aspect of it, the concept of going crazy. Um, a huge inspiration to me my whole life has been H.P. Lovecraft. And one of the things that I really, really loved about uh, his writing was the fact that he focused so heavily on the element of, you know, horror and going crazy. Um, so when I started to write the series, the initial, um, pretty much the, the bulk of the first two books of the eight, uh, Adrian, the main character, is alone. And he's, you know, just trying to, to make a go of it. And you start to see all of those, uh, you know, messed up psychological things happening where he starts to develop PTSD and he starts to get, like, agoraphobic and he doesn't want to meet people and he doesn't want to go outside and he, you know, he lets people die because he's afraid to help them. Um, and the, the whole series is basically just him trying to deal with what it's like to actually survive something horrifying, which, you know, I, I wanted to see. So that's what I wrote. And how did it, how did it grow from, did, did you originally plan for this to be an eight book series? Uh, no, <laughs> originally, uh, my best friend, Joe, uh, had been basically daring me to write books about the apocalypse because, you know, we had talked about it up and we had these, you know, sort of intense plans. Um, and when I first started writing it, it was just supposed to be for him. Um, I was just going to, you know, write a chapter here, write a chapter there, you know, email it to him. He'll read it while he's drinking morning coffee. And that'd be the end of it. Um, but when he started to read it, you know, the, the quote was pretty good. People read it. And uh, I said, no, nah, absolutely not. And he uh, website and started to share it. And uh, pretty quickly, um, just telling some friends here and there, uh, the website started to just take off, you know, hundreds of thousands and, you know, people per day were reading it. And, you know, it just started to turn into this, you know, the series, the story. Um, it wasn't just something that I was writing for fun. It started to be something that I was writing that people were really, you know, interested in. So just uh, with support of the people who you know, were pushing me to write more, I just kept writing more. Um, and lo and behold, just shy of a million words with the first eight books. Oh, good Lord. So how long yeah. have you been writing? Um, it really depends on who you ask. Um, I've got these little, uh, <laughs> like, uh, first grade, second grade, you know, you wrote a book, project books. Uh, <laughs> you yeah. kept that mom kept those did she yeah yes she did <laughs> um and i've got them now and they're, they're kind of a hoot um one of them is about an army of field mice that take over the country um it was a really, really harrowing experience to write as a creator uh <laughs> but it, i mean i guess it really started back then um but i i was working uh about well, it was probably about 12 years ago now um in the gaming industry I originally got an opportunity to work uh, for WizKids when they were out in Seattle. And uh, I was doing, you know, playtesting and a little bit of development for them. And I started to write sort of, sort of some uh, fiction for their website. 
you know, characters in their games and, you know, little plot lines and stuff like that. And some of the booklets that came up, you know, picking up 200, 300 words, a little stuff here, mostly just to help the company out. Um, but when I got out of the industry, the urge to, once you have an outlet for it, you want to pursue it. You know, once it, once it finds a way to get out, it just keeps wanting to get out. Um, which is part of the reason why I started writing, uh, story so so besides lovecraft who else did you read when you were growing up uh, i would say my my from about 13 to 18 or 19 was kind of dominated by uh role-playing um a couple of my friends got me into to playing second edition uh dungeons and dragons advanced dungeons and dragons and uh, I was just enamored with it. I thought it was, it gave me, you know, I was a pretty shy kid when I was growing up. And it gave me a chance to kind of, you know, act out and do things and try on different personalities. And, you know, one Saturday I could play, you know, my character in a slightly honest way and see what it was like to be a mean person. Um, and the next week I could, you know, be the paladin and, you know, rescue the, uh, you know, the, the village from the monsters. So when I started to read book at that age, uh, the SR novels. Um, so guys like Salvatore, uh, Marcus and Tracy Hicks. Um, and then oh, sorry, you broke up there for just a minute. Did you say Tracy Hickman? Yes. The, the Dragonlance writers. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um they were big. Uh, yes, we're, then, we're uh, highly familiar here on Saturday yeah. Night with Tracy Hickman yeah, and his body of work. We sure are. Yeah, they uh, they were huge for me. Um, but my sister Sharon got me uh, got me into Stephen, which was one of my my sort of interest in like the horror genre and the concept of you know darkness and all sort of came about. And I, I read most of his books. So yeah, I would say I would say the gaming books and can huge sources of inspiration. So you've got the Adrian's Undead Diary books, all eight of them. Then yep. you've got a second series called Tesser, A Dragon Among Us. Correct. That's uh, that's the one I'm pretty jazzed about right now. Um, Tesser, you know, boiled down to its simplest story, is uh, what would happen if a dragon woke up in the city of Boston? Um, <clears throat> and the book is, you know, just sort of the world reacting to that happening, um, bringing back all of the things that everyone, you know, thought was just mythology and folklore and fairy tales. Does um, he make the tea run on time? Because that would truly be magical. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, when he wakes up, he winds up destroying the green line. Uh, so he yes! Good. The green line <laughs> so this sucks. is a little bit of a personal <laughs> experience for you. Fuck huh? the green yeah. line. Yeah, I lived uh, in the back bay, uh, and the Green Line was my home for uh, about a year, and I despised it. So when I had the opportunity to destroy it in a literary sense, I jumped all over it. I, I lived like on it for Green five Line's... years, so thank you. Thank you. <laughs> the Green Line really is one of those things that everyone loves hating. Like, if they well, ever actually fixed the Green Line, I think I'd be disappointed, because then what would I hate? Right. Well, they probably still wouldn't fix the Boylston screech, so. Facts. 
<laughs> I lived above that for a year. That mm. was the worst. So on top of that, you also have <clears throat> uh, the Kinless Trilogy. Yeah. Yeah, that's my my uh, my oldest project. That actually comes straight from my game development days. I uh, I had originally been working um, on creating a role playing setting uh, and put enormous amounts of work into uh, a proprietary system that and um, the world uh, is called El Morin, which is uh, sort of a closet homage to artist Larry Elmore. Um, who my imagination is drawn in pictures of. Um, and when I, I created the world, you know, about 12 years ago, um, and I left the industry, it just kind of got shelved. Um, and I would work on it periodically from, you know, year to year to year, you know, flushing out little things when I get bored. <clears throat> and when AUD um, took off and sort of became this massive success form, I said, you know, I should a book that worked out for me last time. Um, so I, I came up with the, the idea for a trilogy of novels set in the world that I created for this game that still hasn't been made. Um, it's a story about a couple of twins who are in a very small village on uh, the border of two countries. And the war starts to break out, and they wind up getting wrapped up in the war. Um, and when they lose you know, pretty much everything to the, uh, the encroaching you know, war, they decide that they've got to do something about it. And then they wind up getting in with both feet and getting uh, pretty substantially over their head. Um, it's a story I love. Um, it's very, very dark, though. So not for everybody. Certainly not for kids. You've uh, done an interesting project uh, for readers. Uh, <laughs> and it's not something that a lot of authors do. It's you. You've titled it at least he's not on fire, a tour of things that escape my mind. <laughs> Explain yep. to our listeners what, in fact, this particular book is. So, as, a, as primarily an indie author, um, it's very difficult to compete with the, the larger scale authors who have um, you know, large publishing houses paying for massive marketing budgets. Uh, I don't have pockets that deep. Despite the fact that I'm successful, I still can't afford to put you know, ads in the New York Times or you know, sandwich in a commercial during Good Morning America or whatever. Um, so one of the things that you, know, you need to do is to be discoverable. People need to know you exist. Um, so having as many avenues as possible that, you know, on their computer and they go to Google and they type something in, you need to be able to be found. Um, it's very difficult to books exist. Um, so in that, in that uh, idea, I came up with the book, At Least He's Not on Fire. And the initial idea was that it was a free uh, ebook. So people who own a bow or Kindle or whatnot could uh, you know, go to in their perspective, respective stores, download uh, the book for free. Um, and basically inside the book, a trio of uh, unconnected short stories that were anthology submissions that have the rights to, um, and then an excerpt from each of my uh, book ones. So the first five chapters of Tesser is in there. 
the first five chapters of the first book of the Kinless trilogy, The Wrath of the Orphans is in there. And then the first five chapters of Dark Recollections is in there. And the basic idea was that I was trying to give people the opportunity to try it before you buy it. Um, it you know, you go to the car and the idea, uh, people could, you know, read the first five chapters, which is a pretty healthy chunk of some of the books. Um, and before they actually had to put any money in my pocket, um, I thought it was a, you know, a worthwhile gesture. And I think it's panned out. Sales have definitely been up since I've done it. And I know a lot of people are appreciative of it. It's also another way for people to find me, which is really kind of the point. And are those links still available as uh, free eBooks? Yep. Yep. Everything is still available. Everything is, is still out there. So they could actually, we should probably post the, uh, the Smashwords of the Goodreads link right to that so that yeah. uh, our listeners can go in and get a, get a, a free taste of what Chris Philbrook has to offer. Yeah. yeah it's, 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 I don't know. It, I, I like to be able to sample. Um, and being that my works are so different, you know, if you read, you know, Tesser and you read the first you know, few chapters of it, it has a substantially different feel than AUD to feel from Wrath. Um, and I think it would be a little disingenuous of people, um, or of me, if people tried one book and then expected the exact same thing out of the other one. So being that they can, you know, bounce around and give it a shot at, I think is probably better for me in the long run. One of the places where you do an awful lot of uh, posting is on uh, Goodreads. Yeah. Have you uh, had a chance? Do you do a lot of interaction with individuals on, on the Goodreads website? I do, yeah, a fair amount. Um, I have a blog that I maintain over there. Uh, and then I've got, you know, the author page and all my books are up there for review. Um, and I do get quite a few messages, um, from people. I also have the phone. So if people who, um, have read my books are interested in reading my books to me, they can ask a public question. Um, and I get a little ding, you know, on my, my laptop and it tells me, Hey, and I can answer it publicly. That's sort of a digest of all of the things that I've talked about, which is a neat feature that Goodreads offers. Uh, Goodreads has been terrific. Uh, they're the way they allow authors to interact with readers and the way they put readers together has been pretty, pretty great in my opinion. So between the Goodreads and going around to conventions, how many cons do you do a year? Uh, this year was the first year that I kind of hit the cons full force. Uh, in prior years, I had a full-time job as well. Being a full-time writer this year, I, I finally cut the uh, the safety net away, and I'm now just a full-time author. Uh, but I did, I think, five of those this year, and I've got one more coming up down in Mass Super Mega Fest at the end of the month of uh, November. Um, but yeah, I want to say I did about five or six this year. And next year, I hope to do about the same. Too many, and you start to lose you know, sight of where home is. <laughs> you also lose sight of where you're hotel room is at that point as well yeah this is true <laughs> chris i can't thank you enough for joining us tonight and uh we're gonna provide for our listeners on the post links for everything that we've talked about thank you so much for joining us i appreciate it greatly thank you Kriana, what's coming up in the next couple of weeks on sci-fi saturday night well next week we have the lovely george o'connor and griffin s and they are returning together to talk Likely about their new story. podcast. Mm -hmm. And then on the 22nd, we talked with Jeremy Whitley about 
the new direction of Princeless. I don't know if it's actually a new direction, just maybe the new issues. On the 29th, and that's issues as in books, not like issues. <laughs> not having issues. <laughs> On the 29th, Anatole Ashraf of the Rival Podcast Comics Verse. Rival Podcast. And on December 6th, Joe Schmalky returns to discuss the Infernal Pact, his new book. And on 1213, Ramon Gill. I have no idea who that is. It just says Ramon Gill. So. And you'll find out then. Cameron, put something better there. <laughs> Thanks. Sci Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic Con, Granite Con, Rhode Island Comic Con, BooksandBooze.com, and ComicArthouse.com. Visit ComicArthouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Check out more of their grooves on LawrenceMadeMeCry.com. Tonight's intro music provided by Rob Watts, and find more of his creations at RobWattsOnline.com. Dome? I want to thank our guests for joining us tonight. I want to thank everybody at Rhode Island Comic Con for being so wonderful and, and all the wonderful people that we interviewed and all the people who came by and said, hey, I listen to you guys. Thanks for dropping by. I really appreciate it. I want to thank our cast, 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 there it is, for, for being with us tonight. Whoa. Yeah, there we are. From the Revere Time Vortex, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana, and our woman of words, Sombrarian. Thank you so much, ladies. We're gonna need another Timmy. William from Shatter our own personal, we're gonna go hang out some more. From our own personal Galaxy Quest, our own Sir Sarah Lady Knight. Thank you so much for being part of the show. Thanks. I just get to talk about Haley Atwell a lot, so you know, it's kind of all good. Yeah. <laughs> this is Dome saying, "Genie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy." Good night, everyone. Thank you.